Take your Bibles this morning, make your way to the very beginning, the book of Genesis, chapter 32, that's where we're going to take our text from today, Genesis 32. Hopefully you got a bulletin on the way in, if not, there are some on the back I can see from here. Um, Take your bulletin out and get your outline out and fill that in. I like, it's great for the young people and the old people to stay in line. This outline's short, which is probably good seeing that we don't have the screen up here, but you can figure out those fill-ins probably without me even telling you. I want to talk to you today, I want to begin a four-part series. It might be longer than that because I might not be able to squish them all into where I need to go. But my intention is a four-part series. On the marks, what I see is the four marks of people that God uses. I want to talk to you for four consecutive weeks on the marks of people that God uses. And this is taken from the scripture. I looked at these people who God seemed to use extraordinarily, and they are very different. You have people like Ruth all the way up to people like Moses and Gideon and The Apostle Paul, David, all walks of life. You can find one of them that you can relate to. Peter, always putting his foot in his mouth, I relate to him. But they all had four characteristics in common. All of them. Although they're very different and their outcomes were different and the way God used them was different. But every single one of them had these four characteristics in common. I want to talk to you about the first one today, and it's brokenness. Every one of them were broken people. I want to speak to you for a little bit about the beauty of brokenness. And Sam asked me yesterday, what are you you preaching on tomorrow, Danny? I said, the beauty of brokenness. He said, how can that be beautiful? I said, well, you had to come to church and find out. And he said, like I have a choice. <laughs> that kind of made me laugh when he said that. <laughs> like I have a choice. Um, so, Sam, that's three points for you. That, that made Daddy laugh. Here's what Charles Spurgeon said. Prince of Preachers. When God's warrior marches forth to battle strong in his own might, defeat is not far distant. Just think about that. When God's warrior marches forth to battle, strong in his own might, defeat is not far distant. Zechariah 4, 6, familiar passage of scripture. You said it is? Yeah. That's what it says. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by... Might, and not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Might is your own strength. All the strength that you have in and of yourself. Power is the strength that you have together with other people. And God said, none of them are sufficient for the work that I've called you to do, Zerubbabel. This job, this assignment that I have given to you is beyond you. 
And if it is going to be done, it is going to have to be done by my spirit. But we don't believe that. Here's another one. Let's go to the New Testament. John 15, 5. The end of John 15, 5 says, Jesus said, For without me you can do how much, church? Nothing. I would submit to you, we don't believe that either. You say, preacher, why are you saying, why are you accusing us of not believing the Bible? Well, it's because we, we give intellectual assent to that. Yeah, I can do nothing without God. But then we leave this place and we do everything without God. And there's one cure to that. And nobody signs up for it. It's called brokenness. Nobody wants it. That's a short list. But God demands it. And I want to say this. Our biggest roadblock to being used by God for his glory is often the very gifts that God has given to us. You ever think about that? The biggest thing that keeps us from being mightily used of God is the very gifts that God's given us. I'll give you a personal example. God has given me, it might be the only gift that I have, but God has given me the gift. It's called, a, officially in the Bible, it's called to get the prophecy. That doesn't mean I can tell your future. It's the foretelling of the word of God and an ability to, to teach. And, and it's obviously a God-given gift because not only do I enjoy it, it seems that other people do as well and God uses it and blesses it. I had a friend of mine that thought he had a gift of singing. He did not. It was not from God. <laughs> not at all. It was bad. So, you know, it, this has been confirmed by the body of Christ. Here's the problem. I've done this for 32 years now. Man, I'm getting old. Here's the truth. I can stand up here, and I've done it. And I can do it all in the power of Paul. Most of you wouldn't know the difference. You see, my greatest roadblock to being mightily used by God are the very gifts that God has given to me. So let me run through some thoughts with you today. Some things I know. So as I approach this subject, I say, what do I know to be true? Because this, this is dangerous ground. These people that were mightily used of God, there were a few things that they knew. Here's the first thing that they knew. They understood this. It's true for us today. We all have an assignment from God. All of us. We all, it's in your outline, we all have an assignment from God. When God called me to the ministry, I was a very shy and backwards teenager. Would you believe that? I really was. I didn't want to talk to people. And I was struggling. God, what? This, this can't be God. And I just happened to mention it to my mom one day. I thought God was calling me, but it must be a mistake because I don't really like talking to people, especially in public. 
And I'll never forget driving down that road. She says, son, God does not call the enabled. He enables the called. God's calling is his enabling. If God called you to it, he'll see you through it. And I want to tell you, each and every person in this room today, listen to me and look at me, right? You have a God-given assignment that he has perfectly crafted for you and you alone to fulfill. And you need to believe that. And I could take it back to the, it, it is always wrapped around the Great Commission. Make disciples, baptize them, and teach them. And listen to me, your assignment today and my assignment today is all around that Great Commission. Some part of that is part of what God, is what God has called you to do. Are you with me this morning? See, because the the problem is this, though. The kingdom is upside down from the cosmos. It's all backwards. If you go to a financial counselor and say, how do I get out of debt? What are they going to tell you? Save your money. Pay off all your bills. And then give to charitable organizations. What does the God say in the kingdom? Tithe. And don't just give 10% of your income. Give above that in an offering. And I'm going to lead you to do things that are crazy. And you watch what I do. Any financial planner would look at that and say, you're out of your mind. It doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't. Not in the cosmos. It works beautifully that way in the kingdom. It's all turned on its head. Now, follow me. Follow me. I'm going somewhere. In the cosmos, the cosmos, the world, when it comes to people who are mightily used... What do they look for? They look for competence, confidence, and charisma. They look for people who are competent in their area. They're confident. They, they, they're confident in what they're doing, and they have charisma. People will follow them. And we say, that's the kind of person that I want to have. What does God look for as far as people who are going to be mightily used in the kingdom? He looks for the unable, the inadequate, and the broken. Now, seriously, just, just, I want to show you how upside down this thing is. How many of you would put an ad in the paper and say, I need someone to run my company. I need someone who's inadequate, unqualified, and broken. Serious, right? You wouldn't do that. That's what God wants. That's who he's after. In our text today, in Genesis 32, you should be there by now. Verses 22 through 32, Jacob, this is all about Jacob, he had an assignment, but he was a mess of a man. <laughs> was Jacob a mess or what? Some of you should take heart in this guy, by the way. Because I'm going to say unequivocally today, if God can use Jacob, he can use anybody in this room. He was a mess. His assignment by God, you think yours is hard? His assignment by God was to birth a nation. No big deal. Just go out there and birth a nation, Jacob. That's your only job. Well, thank you for giving me the easy pickings, Lord. And oddly enough, this thought hit me as I was reading through this and studying. 
His job is to birth a nation, but think about it. The only son that ever really amounted to anything was the one whose formative years were spent away from the influence of his father. Namely, that was Joseph. That's got to sting a little bit, yeah? Here's this huge assignment for this guy. But don't miss this. God was with Jacob. And God enabled him to fulfill the assignment that God gave him. And it's vital that we understand that. But something happened in Jacob's life, right about in the middle of it, that changed him forever. He was not the same man. Not at all. See, because Jacob knew that he was destined for greatness. Because he knew the stories of his grandfather Abraham. He knew the promises of God. And he knew that he had acquired the chief blessing to fulfill those promises. And there was nothing wrong with those promises, but there was a lot wrong with Jacob. You with me? Let me tell you something this morning for some of you. There's nothing wrong with the assignment that God has given you, but there may be a lot wrong with you. I love this. Look here with me in Genesis 32, and let's look at what happened to this man that changed him so much and made him into the guy that we now know as Jacob. And I'm going to show it to you. Look at verse 22, just a little bit, just 10, 10 verses, and here's what it says. And he arose that night, this is Jacob, and he took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed over the ford Jabbok. He took them and sent them over the brook, and he sent over everything he had, and then check this out. Then Jacob was left, what, church? Alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. You can just write in the margin of your Bible, ouch. And he said, this is the angel, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go, read it with me, unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Peniel, the sun rose upon him. And check this out. And he what? He limped upon his hip. Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle that shrank, which is on the hip socket. Because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip in the muscle that shrank. Here's the second point in your outline. God gave every one of you an assignment. Number two, 
you are unable to fulfill that assignment. Let's close and go home. <laughs> That'd be a bad place to stop, wouldn't it? God told Jacob, you are going to, from you, your assignment is to literally give birth to a nation. And Jacob could have babies. He could make babies. He proved that. You have a big family, but it does not make a nation. God gave Jacob a job, an assignment that Jacob had no ability to pull off. I want to ask you a question here. Why would God give us an assignment that we are wholly unable to fulfill? Why would God do that? All right, so we don't think we can do it ourselves. Why else? We have to depend on him. Someone once said this. He said, when I don't recognize my inadequacy, I trust myself over Christ. There's a lot of trusting in self in this room, in your pastor. How many of you have said this to the Lord? Not maybe verbally, but in your mind you've said it. I got this one, Lord. I got it. Just watch me. God loves to be dependent upon. So he gives imperfect, inadequate people impossible assignments. Because he loves to be dependent upon. And I want to say this clearly. Jacob's biggest problem, you know what it was? It was Jacob. Your biggest, I love that. I love, I don't know who said it, but he said, I have met the enemy and he is me. Your biggest problem is a person looking back at you in the mirror. You are the easiest person to deceive. The easiest person for me to deceive is myself. And what Jacob needed, listen to me, Jacob needed to be broken. He needed to come to a place of real brokenness before God could use him. And brokenness is your ally. You should, you should probably write that down. Brokenness is your ally. But here's the other half. Pride is your enemy. And in the cosmos, it's the other way around. We reject broken people, and we want the proud. Just look at who's running for president. Jacob needed to come to the end of Jacob, and God knew exactly how to bring that about. Because Jacob was so good at getting by. I want you to think about this. He's middle-aged now, and he is so good at getting by and kind of being a deceiver and a great at making deals, always came out on top. He could have been the Republican nominee for president. Seriously, I think they kind of equate those two guys. I mean, he was, he, Jacob was phenomenal at making life work in Jacob's power up to this point. <laughs> and this thought hit me. Jacob was so good at getting by on Jacob's strength that it took God himself to defeat him and to break him. That's how powerful 
this man was. But a broken person has come to the end of himself. You think about it in the Bible. Peter, when that rooster crowed the third time, Peter came to the end of himself. David had to come to the end of himself. Job, did Job come to the end of himself? Abraham, every great person that God ever used had to come to a point. There was a turning point. You go, you go look up your favorite Bible character and you, look, you find it. You find the season of brokenness that changed their life forever and they became usable. But now Jacob is up against a situation that his finesse his business skill, his deal-making ability. All of it is inadequate, and here it is. Listen to me. Jacob knows it. Do you know what the context of this is? Who's he going to meet? Esau, his ticked-off older brother. Remember the last time those two guys were together? Eh. That's when Jacob deceived his father and got the birthright. And the birthright was the blessing. So Jacob has finally hit the wall. I want you to understand, this is key to understand. Jacob has finally hit the wall situationally. And he knows, I'm in trouble. You ever been there? Have you ever hit the wall situationally and said, "Uh uh-oh, I'm in trouble. I'm in big trouble. And I need some help outside of myself. Because, listen to me, Jacob's a schemer. And I don't mean that negatively, although it sounds very negative. Jacob knows how to get by. He's a pro. And, 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 and he's got to face Esau. And the last time, you know, he saw Esau, the last news he got is, he's going to kill you. So Jacob takes off, and it's been decades Here's the problem. Jacob is mightily blessed. He is seriously wealthy. He has no idea how Esau is faring. So here comes little brother with a stolen birthright. Actually, it wasn't stolen. I'll tell you about that in a minute. Mightily blessed by God. And here's Esau living in a tent somewhere with, you know, ten sheep and a cow. How's that going to go? And here's the thing. Jacob hits a situation he can't finesse. Are you following this? And so I don't think Jacob's heart is pure yet. He's gonna, he, he sends everything over the, over the ford. They ford the river. And he stays back. And he says, I know if I'm going to get out of tomorrow, the only person that can help me get out of tomorrow is who? God. I'm just saying, this is me reading into the text, so you can disagree with me and we'll be okay. But I think Jacob was just using God as a way to get past Esau. And how many of you and I have done that? Hmm? We do it all the time. But God, listen, God's bigger than that. God is bigger than that. And it's amazing that he, he runs into God and he wrestles with God literally the whole night. That must have been some wrestling match. And here's the next point. I want you to see this because I don't, I don't want you to be caught unawares. And it is this, that brokenness often happens in pursuit of blessing. 
It's in your outline. Brokenness often happens in pursuit of blessing. And I need to define brokenness for you. Here it is. It is a conscious core awareness that you need God in all things. Let me say that again. Brokenness is a, is a conscious. In other words, it's, it's always up right at the front of your thinking. It's right there. It is the filter through which you filter every event, every thought, every action, every deed, everything you watch, everything you say, everything you do, everything you post on Facebook. It is the filter that I need God. And I am wholly inadequate to even post anything on Facebook without God superintending what I'm doing. And by some of your Facebook posts, you need God to be looking over your shoulder. You're a Christian. We should post like one. Brokenness is the opposite of using God. Listen to me. It's the opposite of using God. Instead, it is begging God to use you and to perform the assignment through you. That's true brokenness. Okay? So he wrestles with God all night. And I think Jacob's mentality was, I'm going to wrestle the blessing out of you. God, I'm going to wear you down. Now, on its face, that seems kind of silly, doesn't it? How are you going to wear down the all-powerful God, right? Have you ever been so stressed out you just had to do something physical? I get that way. When I get wound up just tighter than a steel drum, I will go outside, I will take the, the mall, and I will split some oak. And I will do that until I don't want to kill anybody anymore. You ever been there? You, and if you get that way, come to my house. I got wood. You can split it. I'll let you. I am that gracious. <laughs> right? You, you just got to do something. Jacob's, Jacob is just in knots. He can't figure out tomorrow. He can't weasel his way around it, through it, over it, or under it. He knows he needs God's help, and he stays there, and God shows up. And Jacob wrestled. He asked for the blessing. And I don't know. There's a lot left out of here, man. I'd like to know how that match started. And I want to know what music God walked into. <laughs> awesome God. I don't know. But, I mean, that must have been a smackdown, you know. And they're wrestling all night long. And, and we know it's God. The angel of the Lord is always a pre-incarnate. Form. It was actually Jesus Christ in human form before he came to earth. It's called a Christophanes. And I won't go through why that's true, but if you want to know more, I'll tell you later. So he's wrestling with Jesus himself. And finally, I mean, it wrestled all night long. The daybreak is coming. And he says, let me go. Sun's coming up. And what does Jacob say, church? What's he say? I ain't letting you go unless you what? Bless me. And I'm telling you, listen to me, listen to me. He's still using God. He's still saying, God, here's the deal, man. I'm not walking over. I'm not going over that river uh, without you either killing Esau or doing something in his life. Because if you're not with me, we're all dead. I'm not doing it. So you either kill me here, kill Esau, or bless me so that I can get by him. Are you tracking with me? 
I still don't think his motives are pure. Let me go. I'm not. You bless me first. Notice how this match ends. Jesus asks him. What does Jesus ask him? Say it louder. What's your name? Did he know his name? Yeah. And I think right there, the match ends. I can see Jacob hanging his head. And he said, Jacob. You know what that name means? It means deceiver. Literally, it means heel grabber or supplanter. It means the guy who's able to get by and deceive and trick and finagle his way through life. By the way, did that describe him to a T or what? And what happened? You want a blessing? You want me to do through you what you cannot do for yourself? Here it is. Write it down. Come clean. You come clean. And here's what God's saying. I won't bless a deceiver. Are you with me? I won't bless a finagler. I won't bless someone who thinks that he can do for himself what only I can do for you. You are not eligible for the blessing. Who are you? And this was confession. He said, I, I am the deceiver. He was going back to meet his brother who he deceived deeper than any person he had ever deceived before. Who are you? Who, I mean, who are you? Are you qualified for the blessing? Jacob was a pride filled man that was his problem and the problem was he was good at it and I want to say that I want you to look pride is the opponent of brokenness and pride is proprietary what I mean by that is it always wants what belongs to God pride wants the glory because Jacob was all about Jacob until he came clean Jacob he had deceived his way into prosperity all the while pursuing God's blessing y'all think about that for a minute he deceived his way into prosperity all the while pursuing the blessing of God I said, oh this guy's crazy you're crazy I'm crazy we do it all the time and it doesn't take much to become intoxicated with yourself famous preacher once said, the worst thing you can do is believe your own press. So what happened? Jacob comes clean. Comes clean with God. Okay, you're right. This is me. Some of you are so scared to come clean with God because you're afraid he'll reject you. What you don't know is the opposite is true. God cannot embrace you until you come clean. 
very next breath, I'm Jacob. No, you're not. What do you mean I'm not? No, you're Israel. And Israel means royalty. You're the son of the king. Do you know what I've done? Have you not seen all of this that I've done in my life? Yep, that was then. This is now. You've owned it. Now you're a prince. Don't be afraid of coming clean ever. So then the next thing that happens is so weird. It's like it's over, right? It's all good. God's with him. I mean, he's a prince, for goodness sakes. He, and he says he got power with people. What did he need for tomorrow? Or that day, actually. What did he need? He needed power over Jacob or Esau, didn't he? Are, are you with me? He needed power over Esau. Or he wasn't going to make it out of there. And you have power or influence with God. What more could this guy ask for? He had it all. And I'm sure Jacob's thinking, all right, we got it now. And then God goes, let me leave you a reminder of who you're not. And he pops that hip out of joint. And I'm going to tell you what, sanctified as he was at that moment, I think he probably said a few words that aren't printed in the scripture for a reason. All right? And he's limping. Dr. Samuel Chan said this, no leader walks with a strut, they always walk with a limp. You want to be used by God? You will not strut, you will limp. It is highly doubtful that God can ever use a man greatly until he hurts him deeply. And here's the thing, we fear brokenness when we ought to fear not being broken. You want to be used by God? You want your life to matter Pursue brokenness. Stop being afraid of it because there's a good God behind it. Jacob encountered God and left with a limp. And I like to say it this way. He was wonderfully wounded. He was wonderfully wounded. And then the last point is this. And I'm, this one will be... I'm almost done. Don't waste your brokenness. Jacob didn't waste it. Don't waste your brokenness. I don't want to be so clear here because it's not, like, it's not always that easy. If God would just pop our hip out of joint and be done with it, sometimes it'd be better. But instead, we often are called to walk through seasons of brokenness that nobody signs up for. You with me? But there is a trap, a not so subtle trap that is so easy to fall into in a season of brokenness and write it down, it's called bitterness. How many of you know you can get bitter with God when God is breaking you? People come to me and say, I, I, I'm in a crisis of faith. I've lost my faith. And I, and, and I say to them, great. 
Because your faith was in the wrong thing. You have a crisis of faith and you are trusting in something that's not true. God is true. What you are trusting in is something somebody told you or how you somehow came to believe that some kind of prosperity gospel that if I you know, tithe and go to church and be a good person, nothing bad's going to happen to me. You'll find in a lot of self-help books, you will not find that in this book. You'll find a lot of seasons of brokenness, pain, suffering, but also being mightily used by God and dying with a purpose. How many have ever said to God, be honest, God, how could you? How could you? You ever been there? Have you? A few years ago. I want to say it was 2005. My wife may correct me. It was November. We were Christmas shopping. And we had just gotten three bikes and put them on layaway at Walmart. So excited. We were pregnant for fifth baby. And being pregnant, you know, you had to hit the bathroom every 10 minutes. So she went into the restroom, and she came out. She was very pale. I said, what's the matter? She said, I think I'm losing this baby. And we walked through a hellish valley for the next two days. And I said, God, how could you? How could you do that? You get it. And then that's usually followed up with words like this. You're supposed to be. No. He's faithful. I'm not going to lie to you. Elizabeth hung on to that way better than I did. I stayed mad for a while. But I got over it. Not the right way. I just buried it. Then we went through a really bad season here at the church. We had a just a terrible separation. Lost more than half of the congregation. Two years before that, God had moved mightily in me. Actually, it was when we lost that baby. Season of brokenness, I repented of my anger, and God washed me in healing. With that healing came an understanding that I, am, I can't do this, God. Only you can do it. And God led me to do some crazy things. Some of you people will remember that. But God used those crazy God just poured through me like crazy. Then this, the church blew up. We had to build the other sanctuary, because we, and we were filling that up. We didn't know what we were going to do, talking about second services. And then it was all gone overnight. And this time, I got bitter. The problem is, when a jettle gets bitter, they get bitter long. And I'm ashamed to tell you how long, but it wasn't weeks or it wasn't months. It was literally years. 
And I'll tell you the truth, I'm still trying to get back the anointing that I had after that baby died. Now, I've repented of that bitterness. God has shown me over and over again how desperately I need him. But I'm saying you can humble yourself or you can let God humble you. Don't waste your brokenness. Tim Kimmel said, if a Christian doesn't humble himself, he leaves God no choice but to humiliate him. Use your brokenness. And brokenness says, I cannot pull off anything in my life without God. I'm wholly inadequate to even get up and make the coffee in the morning. You say, oh, God's not interested in that. Oh, yes, he is. I need God for everything. Jacob, now Israel, left with a limp, but he also left with the blessing of Almighty God. He left a broken man. God humiliated and humbled him. And in that meeting with Esau, couldn't have gone better. And it wasn't Jacob's finagling. It was God's blessing. So my question to you in closing, have you ever been wonderfully wounded? Have you ever looked at it and said, you know, that was a wonderful wound? You say, well, preacher, that sounds like events. No, sometimes it's addictions. You say, preacher, surely the, my addictions are not God, oh, yes, they are. He's showing you how far you'll go when you follow your flesh. And he's showing you that without him, you don't have a chance of dying anything but an addict in a ditch somewhere. But with him, you'll be mightily used in ways you could never dream, and you'll die with purpose. Sometimes it's our addictions that God uses. That's our brokenness. What, have you been wonderfully wounded? Have you embraced brokenness? Or bitterness? And then the last question, are you ready for God to bless you? If you are, I'll just tell you from experience, bitterness is not the path. Embrace the brokenness. Know that pain often comes in pursuit of the blessing. But hear me, people of God, the blessing is so worth it. Father, I, I don't even have any idea what I said this morning. I spoke what you laid on my heart. I pray that it's speaking to people right now in this room. I pray that right now across this congregation, people are repenting of bitterness and embracing brokenness. I pray that you'll reveal our pride to us. And that we would put a nail in it once and for all. Let us not fear brokenness, but rather embrace it, realizing that it is one of those things that you work together for good. And that good is your glory. Being able to use us in ways far beyond what we ever dreamed possible. 
And I pray that you would do this for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.